Welcome to AJHP Voices, a series of discussions with AJHP authors and interviews focused on contemporary practice issues. AJHP is the official journal of ASHP, and its mission is to advance science, pharmacy practice, and health outcomes. Hi, this is Daniel Koba, the Editor-in-Chief of AJHP. Thanks for joining us in this episode of AJHP Voices. Today, we'll be discussing the article, Implementation of Radio Frequency Identification Technology to Optimize Medication Inventory Management in the Intraoperative Setting, which was recently published on AJHP.org. Our guests today are Dr. Ashley Bowden, Pharmacy Operations Director, University of Utah Health, and Dr. Carly Wilkie, Pharmacy Manager, UW Health. Thanks for joining us. Ashley, let's start with some basics. What is RFID technology and exactly how does it differ from barcoding? Yeah, RFID technology has two components to it. It's a tag and a reader. And so that reader has the ability by radio frequency to identify the information stored within the the chips on that tag. And so with a software program, you can put any amount of information within a tag. In the case of medications, we put in NDCs, lot numbers, medication name, and strength. And when that tag is put inside that reader or near the reader, the software is able to pull all of that information out and it doesn't need a clear line of sight. And so that's really the difference between the barcodes, which may have the NDC medication name and strength. You need to have that right in the line of sight of a barcode scanner. And so there's really a a lot of advantages there in crowded boxes and, and things like that in terms of being able to stick them within a reader and not need that line of sight flipping every single medication up to make sure the barcode is facing up. Got it. And Carly, one of the things that you talk about as a benefit in the article, you actually say that the that the FDA believes that the use of technologies such as RFID can decrease the incidence of medication errors. How can it do that? Yeah, so one of the biggest ways RFID can contribute to decreasing medication errors is because it eliminates a lot of our human error. So in these trays, without automation, it's up to us as humans to double-check the expiration dates, double-check the names of the medications, the concentration. Whereas with RFID technology, all of that information is stored in that RFID tag. So when you're scanning the trays, the machine will pick up if there's an expired medication in there, if there's an unexpected item or a wrong item, or if you have too many of a certain medication. Um, So it catches a lot of things that we as humans might miss. Is it fair to say that it's also in some ways more efficient than barcoding in terms of doing the same thing? It can be more efficient, yes. Some studies have found um, that the use of RFID technology it kind of replaces the need to check each individual medication manually because it can check them all at once. Got it. So Ashley, what are some of the barriers though to adopting RFID in healthcare settings? Because it's been around for a long time, but uh, it hasn't been adopted universally yet. What are some of the barriers to that? First and foremost, I think it is unfamiliarity with the systems. Knowing what 
the technology offers and what you might really be looking for. So there are a lot of different vendors out there that offer RFID technology, and it's hard to compare at this point the different vendors and really what is going to benefit you within the medication and pharmacy settings. And so I think that was really um, one of the important pieces is to evaluate how this plays into the pharmacy setting and specifically the perioperative area. Well, that's a great lead in. And I, I want to talk about the study itself a bit, but I'm sort of interested, Ashley, in the focus on uh, anesthesia workstations, perioperative area. What made you decide to focus there? Yeah, we had previously implemented this for our emergency boxes because obviously during COVID, we were using a lot more of them and not having necessarily the robust staff and time to check these boxes manually. And so we went forward with implementing RFID technology. From there, we saw the benefits of having transparency to our inventory, having so much transparency down to the lot number. In the cases of medication shortages, it was easy for us to switch out medications, maybe a syringe for a vial. And so we thought those benefits would translate really nicely to the perioperative setting. The other unique aspect of putting it in that setting is we have providers that are interacting with these medication trays and they don't act like nurses in automated dispensing cabinets where we get really nice decrementing of what anesthesia used. And so often restocking these trays was a visual aspect where the technicians look and assess what's missing based on that kind of that look and try to restock it. So by implementing this technology in the perioperative setting as well, the technology itself tells us exactly what's missing from that tray and exactly how many needs to be replaced. And so that was a huge benefit as well. So Carly, this was actually your residency project, if I understand correctly. How did that come about? Did Ashley approach you with this and did it go the way that you expected it to? That's correct. So it was part of my residency project and also as part of the admin residency, I was also working on my master's. So it kind of counted as both my residency and my master's project. And typically how projects are selected at University of Utah Health is kind of where's the need in the department, whether it be a patient care need or a, a different type of need, the leaders get together and decide what are the big initiatives for the department for the year and how can a resident help execute these kind of on an expedited timeline, right? Residency is only, only a year and it got shortened a little bit by the master schedule. So I reviewed the list of projects and Ashley and I had worked together actually on my first year project as well, which was very successful and a great learning experience. And when I read it, it tied into a lot of my interests. I have a very significant interest in medication safety and making sure patients are receiving the best care in all areas. Specifically, when th looking at ORs or operative areas, that tends to be an area where errors are underreported, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's an area where they don't occur in. So I really wanted the chance to be innovative and explore this new technology and see what impact it could have um, on our department as well as on patient care. Got it. So in exploring the technology and undertaking this implementation, in terms of this study and your article, 
Carly, what were some of the specific aims of of the work that you and Ashley and uh, the rest of the team undertook? Yeah, so the first thing we looked at is what the introduction of this automation would do to our pharmacy workflow. So our technicians who restock the anesthesia workstations had a workflow in place that worked well for them, that they found efficient. So we did some process mapping and interviews with key stakeholders to see how we saw this automation fitting in and kind of if there were opportunities to eliminate decision points. So in the baseline version, the technicians were visually looking at the trays and manually selecting what medications and how many to do. And we were able to eliminate those decision points and opportunity for human error with the introduction of the automation. Some other things we wanted to look at was a measure of patient safety. We did a volunteer reporting sheet was one way we chose to aim that. And then we also did randomized anesthesia workstation tray audits where we looked for expired medications, wrong medications, um, and the post phase if medications were tagged incorrectly. So we could kind of catch those errors before they reached the patient. Other things we looked at was the cost of having to manually apply RFID tags, both from the cost of the tags themselves, as well as the labor needed to apply the tags. We also looked at included in that the time it takes. I'm not sure if we've mentioned that yet, but that is definitely one of the biggest barriers is that having to manually apply those RFID tags is very time intensive. Got it. So Ashley, what'd you find? We found with this study that we were really eliminating the decision points as the technicians were restocking the anesthesia trays. And that was a great benefit, again, removing that human chance for human error. On the second hand, we found that it took a little bit longer. Their other process where they looked at the tray and decided what needed to go in there was was quick. We found that by using the automation, it took a little bit more time in order to check those trays. But again, the importance of increasing patient safety and accuracy of those trays is worth the additional time. In addition, we found that tagging the medications really was a lot it took the time um, and shifted it in a different direction. And we found that the size of the vials really impacted the time it took to tag medications. So those vials that are really small and you're trying to avoid the barcode and the medication name and covering up that important information, it requires you to be a little bit more tedious as you're tagging them. So those were a few of the things we found. And then with some of the cost analysis, you know, if there were pre-tagged medications available, we found that those were generally less expensive than getting the tags and the labor it costs to tag the medications ourselves. So Carly, one of the things that you talk about in the article is that reporting is a major advantage of the use of RFID technologies. Can you talk about that more? Yeah, the reports are so cool. They say, you know, to wait a few months before the reports really become accurate and to start making your decisions on it because the software really has to have a pattern and see some use, some things we use the different reports for. So everything's tracked in there. So every time a tray was scanned in the 
scanner, it would show up who did it, whether everything got the green light and was there, or if there were any things missing. So it makes it really easy from a management study to make sure things are being run as you know you expect them to be. You can also see PARs of different medications. So you can see when your tagged inventory of something is running low from any location. I didn't have to lay eyes on our storage unit to know, um, so I could help out then more easily. Some other applications we used the reports for was if medications were recalled or if there were shortages. And this functionality is really cool because everything down to the lot number is captured in these reports. So instead of being like, oh, I know X medication is stored in this type of tray, I need to track down all of these trays. You can figure out exactly which trays have those medications and where those trays are located. So it cuts down significantly on time. And Ashley had mentioned we also used it for shortages, not only to adjust the quantities we wanted in these carts, but also to relocate inventory to higher use areas. So, for example, we went through a shortage of a common medication used in emergencies, and I was able to see where better dated syringes were located in boxes where we could accommodate kind of more short dated items and get those into our crash cart trays, which needed to have further extended dating to make sure these medications were available in emergencies. Interesting. Ashley, what would you add to, to that? I think the other important piece of the reporting that we're continuing to use is evaluating what we are keeping in these emergency boxes, in these anesthesia trays. It gives us usage, uh, real usage of what's happening in the anesthesia areas. And so we can go back and collaborate with our anesthesia providers and say, hey, you have X medication in this tray, but you have used it in all 50 ORs only twice in the past year. Is this something that we really need to continue stocking in this tray? And so it provides that evidence and that data uh, that our colleagues are looking for and allows us to come in and have those conversations with other departments and optimize their tray. Similarly, deciding on how many we stock of a certain medication in the tray. So adjusting those PARs, we can look at how many they are going, how many vials they might be going through in a day and two days and make sure we're adjusting the PARs in that tray appropriately. So it's really allowing us to optimize our inventory and have that data as we have those conversations with our colleagues and providers. You mentioned a couple of times there, Ashley, anesthesia providers, the, the collegial relationship. And I am interested in sort of the overall reaction from the anesthesiologist, from the nurse anesthetist in terms of implementation. So what's their reaction been? Have they embraced uh, this use of RFID technology in the anesthesia workstations? They really have. We worked to get their buy-in early. And so one unintended effect of this project was that we were able to standardize our anesthesia trays in all of the areas and so those required early conversations with the providers to say, this is what we're putting in every single tray. And, you know, this OR isn't going to have one that looks different from the other 20 ORs. And so getting their, their buy-in was important and they, they were on board. They were excited. They often collaborate with us to ensure that their patients are not getting expired medications, to ensure that uh, sound-alike, look-alike medications aren't next to each other on the anesthesia trays. 
And so they enjoyed having input into this project and really bought in early. Got it. So Carly, what were some of the limitations to the study? Every piece of work like this has its limitations. What did you run up against? Yeah, we ran into a few limitations. I would say the biggest one, in my opinion, being we weren't able to do an ROI calculation and really evaluate the cost effectiveness of implementing this technology. And one of the biggest reasons was I mentioned we did some voluntary error reporting, but unfortunately, no errors were reported during our study period. So we couldn't really assess kind of like the costs associated with eliminating some of these potential errors. Some other things, you know, I mentioned we did time studies and workflow evaluations. There was great variability in the ages and experiences of the staff who were being assessed during these things. So that was something that wasn't a constant. And then also I mentioned, you know, it was my residency project and we were on a tight timeline. So The collection periods were a lot shorter than I think ideally we would have liked them to be. So when we did those randomized tray audits, we did, you know, on Monday through Friday because the weekdays are the busiest for ORs. So each pre-post period had only like five days of data collection. And our post was actually done fairly soon after um, we had implemented the technology. So we didn't make sure that the techs we were looking at had used the technology before, had they become really familiar with it. So I think there's definitely opportunities to look at the impact of this technology once it's been implemented for longer periods of time. Well, with that in mind, Ashley, where do you go next with RFID implementation at the University of Utah Health? Yeah, I would say we're really in a state at University of Utah Health to optimize this technology, using those reports more to help move around inventory, get those medications that are soon to expire into high-use areas, and so we can use them without expiring them. Again, kind of building that case for the ROI on the technology. The other challenge and more of the long-term with this project is the tagging of the medications, especially in the OR areas, became burdensome to our, our staff, really became a majority of the day. And so over the past few months, we've been looking at different avenues to either shift that work or do that work differently. So one option is looking at some third-party vendors that do the tagging for you. Another option was to maybe remove the tags on those high-use medications where they're essentially emptying the tray every day. And our concern for expired medications is, is not as high. And so we're continuing to evaluate and work through optimizing this technology, both using the reports as well as the process. Do you see yourselves moving outside of the perioperative areas? We do use it on our emergency boxes and kits. And in order to move outside the areas, the readers would have to change. So I don't think the technology is there yet. One idea we had discussed is it would be so great if the medication carousels themselves had the ability to have these reader capabilities within them. So you can know exactly down to the lot number what's in your medication carousels or your automated dispensing cabinets. But, you know, it'll take time for this technology to expand and evolve in that direction. Got it. 
No, Carly, we've talked a couple of times during our conversation today about the fact that this was your residency project, and and you talked about how that came about. But I'm wondering, I mean, if you look at this, it's a, I think, a, a real definition of success with a residency project. You took a, an important topic, you got it done in the time frame, and ultimately you were able to have it published. I'm wondering what advice you would give based on what you've learned from this. What advice would you give to other residents as they take on projects and try to mimic your success? Yeah, I think looking back, I was really lucky to have a great team around me. I had a great project leader in Ashley, who I was familiar working with, who really gave me the autonomy to let me own this project, but also the support to ensure I was successful. I had other great operations leaders and also an intern from our department who helped me with data collection. Some steps that I think made me very successful was I was actually very involved in the RFID implementation for our emergency boxes and our crash cart trays. So even though that wasn't directly my project, we took a lot of lessons away from that. So it was kind of like real life research. So just as in other projects where you do literature reviews, you maybe talk to other institutions, um, all of that background information is very important to do. And then I would say we came up with a realistic timeline and schedule and really held ourselves to that. So I knew when the vendor was going to come on site, when we were implementing it, we engaged key stakeholders early and often. I had a project tracker that we kept track of at meetings, making sure we were on pace to meet all of our deadlines. And if any barriers came up, we made sure to address those at our regular team meetings. So I think when looking back, there were a lot of things that my team did to set me up for success. And then also just taking accountability and ownership and making sure that all of the pieces were in place and all of the group was on board with all of the decision making. Got it. Ashley, from your perspective as the the one who was, you know, supervising a residence research, what, what would you add? I don't know if I have anything to add, but I'll, I'll highlight the one thing that Carly did well, and that was to take ownership of this project. She knew at the start of her PGY2 year that this is my project and this is what the timeline looks like. And so I think she really did set herself up for success in terms of planning for the year and what that might look like, assessing that she can't do everything without the team and recruiting an intern to help with some of the data collection. I think that was really important as well. And so she really took the project to heart and did a fantastic job in getting it done within a residency year. So Carly, when I think about taking on a project, especially during, you know, the residency year, but but any project, one of the things that I think is also really key to success is passion about the topic and the project. You said that you did some earlier work on RFID, and that really laid the foundation for you. But did you come into this with a passion for this work, or did it grow over time? Was that important to you with your success? I would say a little bit of yes, all of the above. 
I think technology and innovation is so cool and the opportunity to optimize that and use it to help patients directly is something I am passionate about providing safer care. Usually in more leadership management roles, you don't always get to see the direct patient care impact of your work. Um, So the opportunity to get to implement a new technology own a go live and new processes, provide education to staff, and then get to evaluate the impact on workflows and also on the potential patient care benefit was everything I could have asked for in a project. Um, It kind of checked all the boxes in being new and creative, but also getting to see that patient care benefit. the, the year, while I mentioned, is short in terms of data collection. It can be long in terms of talking about the same topic over and over and having meetings about it. And, you know, it, it kind of consumes a great portion of the work you do in residency. And I feel very fortunate to have been so passionate and having such a passionate team about implementing this technology. What a nice way to end. With that, that's all the time we have today. I want to thank Dr. Ashley Bowden and Dr. Carly Wilkie for joining us to discuss their article, Implementation of Radiofrequency Identification Technology to Optimize Medication Inventory Management in the Interoperative Setting, which was recently published on HHP.org. Please join us here each month for discussions on contemporary practice issues and interviews with HHP authors. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your colleagues and via your social media of choice. Thank you for listening to AJHP Voices. For more information about AJHP, the premier source for impactful, relevant, and cutting-edge professional and scientific content that drives optimal medication use and health outcomes please visit AJHP.org.